He has been exploring the intersection of narrative, leadership, and complex systems change for over two decades. A best-selling author, business writer, and learning designer, he creates solutions for the Coca-Cola Company, Accenture, PayPal, Walmart, IBM, L'Oreal, and the U.S. Olympic Committee, to name a few. He is a recurring instructor at the globally renowned INSEAD School of Business in Fontainebleau, France. He speaks to organizations and leadership teams all around the world on the topic of storytelling as an organizational capacity. His most recent book is Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers, published by Wiley & Sons. He has served as an executive speechwriter or ghostwriter for global thought leaders such as Stephen M. R. Covey and the CEO of the Coca-Cola Company. He is the creator of The Learning Fables, a book series that uses narratives and metaphors to illustrate principles of organizational learning. A nationally recognized developer of innovative learning products, his work has been recognized with distinctions such as Training and Development's Training Product of the Year Award, ATD's Prestigious Excellence in Practice Award, and the Brandon Hall Gold Award. Join me on this episode of the Curvebenders podcast with NOR cohort community member and masterful storyteller, David Hutchins. Hi there, this is David Knorr, host of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm excited to share insights with you at the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. Make no mistake about it, there are a number of forces in the next two decades that will dramatically change the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, and the way we serve others. And I believe there are these relationships that will come into our lives that can change both the direction and destination of where we're headed. Those are the individuals I call curvebenders. So in each episode, I want to share with you insights from our research, from our interviews of great guests and their incredible experiences. I want to invite people to share their ideas and examples of not just coaches and mentors, but real curvebenders that have had a profound impact on their lives. Specifically, we're going to talk about pragmatic ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, and your behaviors. So let's get started. The Curvebenders podcast is supported by global clients of NOR Group's advisory, speaking, education, and coaching services. One example of our services that I thought would be particularly relevant to this podcast episode is our Storytelling for Leadership Influence, SL1, training course. This one-day program, jointly delivered with my guest on this episode and colleague David Hutchins, focuses on storytelling as a new leadership competency used to engage, influence, and create a call to action. Topics in our program include story mapping, a deep dive into story narratives, human motivation, story map to construct unforgettable strategic stories, story sharing, create a rich culture of knowledge creation, shared identity, and engage leadership, storyboarding, invite others into the co-creation of the hero's journey from now to next. Learn more at norgroup.com slash training and scroll down to the creative leadership section. 
Hi, everybody. David Knorr. Welcome back to the Curve Benders podcast. I'm uh, elated you're back, and, and I'm really excited about my guest in this session. And, and uh, you're going to love this. If, if you, uh, unless you've been in a cave, you've probably seen, uh, for some inexplicable reason, and I'm going to ask my guest this, storytelling seems to be a lot more prevalent in our news and in our uh, all the newsletters I get and what the magazines are talking about and and suddenly you know it's been around of course for thousands of years and suddenly it's just taken a life of its own and and uh, I I feel blessed that I've been introduced to our guest today and he's become uh, a friend he's become a colleague he's a member of our cohort community and that's uh, none other than David. Hutchins, David, welcome. I call you Hutch. David is kind of a rarity. So, Hutch, welcome to the Curve Benders podcast. Nora, what a delight to be here. Thank you for for having me. Uh, great to have you. So, for those that may not be as familiar with your work, I, I think last week we exchanged emails, and you were in Moscow. And the week before that, you're doing some work at U.S. Olympic Committee and Facebook. And so, you've got this great background. Uh, you know, share where you've been, what you've done, and how you've gotten here. So. My job is to go around the world and help leaders in organizations find and tell their stories. And uh, it, it was kind of funny because uh, I said that same statement uh, a few weeks ago in Germany, and there's a German guy on the front row when, when I said, my job is to help leaders find and tell their stories. And, and this German guy goes, really? That's a job now? <laughs> so... So yeah, it's it, it's a job now, and uh, I've been doing this for about twelve years. Uh, so this is one of the few times in my vocation when I've been a little bit ahead of the curve. Because when I started doing this, it was kind of a weird idea. Now suddenly everybody's talking about it, um, and so my career actually began in advertising. I used to work as an advertising copywriter in some big ad agencies in Texas and in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and so that's an old idea. That, right, that you know, marketers have known about this for a long time. If if you tell a story, people will buy more Coca Cola or buy more hamburgers, uh, and so that's kind of how I started my career. But now I help leaders tell stories to create alignment and movement in organizations. Uh, love, love how you you know the several times that we've worked together, and 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 you tell the story of there's only so much hamburgers I can sell, right? How do I go create? A deeper impact, a, a more meaningful impact, and you wrote. Uh, by the way, for the, for our audience, we'll create a link uh, to this in the show notes. But you wrote a book called "Circle of the Nine Muses," and I love your story deck, the the leadership story deck. Talk about those for a second. Tell us about the book uh, overview, and then where did the idea for the deck come from? Yeah, so uh, I have uh, several resources that can help leaders find and craft and tell their stories. Uh, the book, Circle of the Nine Muses, the subtitle is A Storytelling Field Guide for Innovators and Meaning Makers. And for the book, uh, I reached out to narrative practitioners all around the world who are doing narrative work in, in IBM knowledge management, in international peacekeeping efforts, uh, in branding and marketing. So lots of different applications of story. And I said to these practitioners, tell me what you're doing that's working. And so Circle of the Nine Muses is a collection of kind of the, it's the, the current state of storytelling for change purposes. And it's lots and lots of ideas that leaders can, can act on to begin bringing narrative wisdom and change into the work that they're doing. So that's the book. 
And then the other resource that you mentioned, this is really cool, uh, is called the Leadership Story Deck. And you can go look it up on Amazon.com or or we'll provide a link for it. But uh, it's a deck of cards with dozens of ideas of stories that leaders can and should be telling about who they are, what they do, and why they do it. And there's probably some story ideas in that deck that that your listeners and even you and even me should be telling that we're probably not telling. And so uh, the deck has been a hit. People really love that product because it, it just gives you ideas, you know? Love it. And and again, I highly recommend, uh, I love the circle of the nine muses. I'm going through it now. And just, just, to, just to whet your appetite with, with some of these, just the chapter headings, capturing fire, twice told stories, uh, story circle variations, leadership story archetypes, future story spine, uh, visual timeline. I mean, this thing is chock full of really great ideas. So if that's the current state in many ways of storytelling, um, and before I ask you about kind of the evolution of storytelling in the future, uh, I started this this episode with talking about, you know, suddenly seems like storytelling is all around us. Hutch, what do you attribute that to? Why, why this resurgence of storytelling as something more powerful than what we've been doing for thousands of years? Um you know, it's it's funny when when I work with groups, I always start with that question. I I, it, I make my audience make the case for why why have we flown this Hutchins guy in from from you know the United States over the ocean to talk about story. So I'll ask them why should we be talking about stories, and I always get some some similar kinds of answers. Um, you know, one that comes up a lot is that you know there's so much noise in the marketplace; it's so difficult to be heard. It's so difficult to punch through all that noise so that people pay attention to you. And there's something about this language that is story that, that's able to punch through. A lot of people talk about the, the stickiness of story, right? Data doesn't stick with you. But if I tell you a story, it, if it's a good story, you, you might remember it forever, right? Um, one of the things that I, I'm seeing a lot because I work with a lot of technology organizations is the, uh, I'll use a, a management loaded term, which is the commoditization of innovation. Uh, and by that, I mean, the, the, the thing I keep hearing from my clients is they're, they're going into these business pitches, you know, to try to win a, a piece of, you know, half a billion dollar piece of business. And they're hearing things from their marketplace and their customer like, uh, listen, we, we already know what you're about to sell us because your, your competitor has something a lot like what you have. And what we want to know is who are you? What do you believe in? What do you care about? Show us who you are. And, and the groups I'm working with are, are confused by this language. You know, what, what does that mean, show who we are? We, we've always won by selling solutions, and now it's no, no longer enough to sell a solution. Show what we value. Like these technology leaders don't have a language for that. And they're saying, we think we should be telling stories. Uh, and and um, uh, I got I got to tell the audience. Uh, one of the first times you and I worked together uh, was in a healthcare arena, and I told the story of of my daughter and her ACL surgery, and sitting in a in a hospital weight room, and it just it wasn't a positive experience. And I and I gave that story some texture, and then later on in my presentation, I talked about human centered design, which which is a fabulous concept, and there's some four 
key points to it. And 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 this is the kind of friend Hutch is, right? When he gets up there, he says, you know, how many of you remember, you know, Noor's daughter's hospital story and everybody and, and, and people uh, regurgitate back to him details of my story. And then he says, what were the four points of the human-centered design? And there were crickets, right? Nobody remembers any of those details. That's the kind of friend Hutch is. Um, but going, going back to your comment, you're exactly right, is more and more organizations who are trying to get by, if not buy in, are still reverting back to speeds and feeds and we got a better mousetrap and let me talk to you about 75 things that we do differently, none of which of that the audience really cares about. What I want to know is are you going to you know, give me an example or a story of where you've helped somebody like us and give me an example of what or help me understand what's got to happen when I call you after the, the initial whiz-bang sale and that the show us who you are is a fabulous one, right? Wait a minute. You don't want to talk about our servers or you don't want to talk about all these green lights that are flashing? <laughs> That's what we've always sold. So um, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think absolutely there's there's more noise in, in all of our markets and that noise is all around us and the buyers. And, and it's not just selling products or services, but even internal to the organization are more sophisticated than ever before. So I absolutely believe stories can can set you apart given equal level of competence, capability, so on and so forth. So let me ask you, uh, where do you believe, since we're talking about curve benders, this kind of future of work, Hutch, where is storytelling specifically to engage, influence, shape how people think, feel, behave? Where do you think it's headed? Where's it going? Uh, so, so we're in a good age right now where everybody is talking about this. So that's good. I mean, the, you know, the downside is it's it's now a management buzzword, and there's suspicion and and people capitalizing on it and all that. But but I'm delighted that it's it's part of the discourse. Uh, so I and a friend of mine wrote a blog uh, a while back. Mary Alice Arthur is is one of my colleagues, and we we wrote a blog where we we looked at where is this narrative practice going, and I, I see there being kind of three waves to it. And the first is what we've been talking about, and that is storytelling for influence. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the idea that if I tell people a story, I can get them to do something, right? There's something powerful uh, about story that, that when I use this language, it aligns people and it moves people forward. And like I said, marketers have been doing this for a long time. You know, I, I got people to buy a lot of Coca-Cola by telling stories, Right, and uh, the, so the, these three waves I'm describing, uh, the, in terms of marketability, most of the interest is in the center, and then it gets more challenging as you go out. But I think the the leverage increases as you go out. So everybody is calling me right now for storytelling for influence. Hey, I have a strategy. I have to move through the organization. I think if I tell stories, it'll engage people better. So that that's what a lot of my work is right right now. Uh, the the next movement out is storytelling for meaning making, and you know it's right there in the subtitle of my book as well. This this is work I, I get excited about. After you tell the story, that's not the end of the conversation. You know, after you tell the story, now we're just getting started. Now, now we get to unpack that story. You know, the, the word storytelling is, is is challenging because the word telling is right there in the word. 
It sounds like a transaction that goes only one direction. Uh, but the, the, the grand opportunity here is after the story is told to talk about it and say, hey, I heard something in that story. That story said something really good, something really rich about who we are. So uh, you, you mentioned my, my trip to Russia. This was just a, a week ago. I just came back from Moscow. It was my first time in Russia. And uh, it was fascinating because it, you know, it was a big technology company that brought me into Russia to help them tell their stories. And um, Not related to our presidential election, right? Just, just want to clarify. We, we talked about that over beer, but well, it's, it's Russia. Pe- people are sheepish about talking about that publicly. We, we get to talk about that and post stuff on Facebook, right? It, Understood. And, I, and I'm envious of your picture in Red Square, by the way, because I also haven't been yet. And that looked, that looked fabulous. But carry on. Oh, it, it was an amazing place. But the thing that was fascinating was there, there was a fracture in the room uh, because Russia is a fascinating place. It's a beautiful culture. It's a complicated culture. And right there in the room, there were some kind of old guard leaders with old mental models of, of distrust and uh, self-protection and maintaining position. And then there was also in the room these young leaders who, who want to innovate, and you can see it in their eyes. They're, they're ready to go. They're, they're ready to do something new. And there was, the room was, there was a fracture in the room. I mean, it's, you could sense these, this old Russia and this new Russia bumping up against each other. Well, this is a perfect opportunity to tell stories about what does it mean to be us? Who are we? What are the narratives that are, that are driving how we do the things that we do? Uh, and so Russia is a place of a changing story, right? So, so meaning making, I don't want to interrupt your, 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 your thought, meaning making. So storytelling for influence, storytelling for meaning making is really, is that lead to the impact from the story you just told? When you say unpack it, it's what do we do with it? Is it, how do we implement it? How do we uh, apply it? Tell, tell me, give me more about the meaning. What is the end result of meaning making? Um, so one of the things I do is I, I help, I equip leaders with processes so that they can have these conversations. Um, so, you know, whenever I tell you a story, you know, I, I just told you one about my, my trip to, to Russia and whether I realize it or not, that story was filled with not just data, but assumptions and beliefs and emotions and conclusions and mental models. And I was revealing a, a lot about myself simply through the way that I told that story. You know, a story is this incredibly efficient little container of meaning. And so the next step is for the team to say, David, I, I heard an assumption in what you said. Why do you think Russia is like that? And what, what did you add to that story? Oh, okay, yeah, let, let's talk about that. Um, and so there are different kinds of constructs for, for meaning making. It, it sounds academic, but it's not. We do this all the time. We tell a story and say, wow, I, I think that story says something. I heard something in that. And so the, in the book Circle of the Nine Muses, there are different processes and structures for allowing a group to draw meaning out of a story and then turn it into actionable wisdom. Based on what you said in that story, I heard a behavior in, in the story you told. I wish that other people in our team would, would make decisions in the courageous way that you made decisions in that story. Imagine if more people did that. Think how powerful we, we could become. So there are things you can do to, to take 
wisdom out of the story and make it actionable and lead us into the future as well. And what was the third one? So influence, meaning making, and the third one? The, the, the third one is, uh, is storytelling for healing and holing. Holing, and, and we spell that W-H-O-L, making systems whole. Uh, because we are... We are living in a world of fractured systems, and you, you you already you made a joke about the political discourse here in the United States. It's it's toxic, right? It's a fractured system, um, and polarization in systems is all over the place. Uh, there was a group I worked with in uh, in Europe uh, last year. It was a it was a huge global media company, and they'd been in the news. Uh, because there had been a series of suicides among uh, employees in the company, and enough that it, w- it became global news that you know people were were choosing to end their lives in, in this company, and many of them had even left notes directly conta- uh, connecting their despair to the management practices in this this organization, um, and so they brought me in to do some story work. And I, I just I went into the organization just feeling the weight of that. And they even told me, please don't talk about the suicides. We've, we've already dealt with it. And when I got there, there are all these banners in the lobby saying we're one team. And uh, then when I went into the training room, uh, somebody pointed out we, we have fixed the windows. So the windows no longer open. And that was their that was their way of saying we we have contained the problem. We've, we're preventing the suicides. The windows don't open anymore. And so I just felt this weight on me that we that w- I'm in this organizational structure that is at odds with the well being of the people in the organization, and the fact that management said, "Please don't talk about the thing that we we've brought you here to talk about. Please don't acknowledge it." So what I Actually, in that case, what I did was, uh, you know, I, I always use a, a circle structure. You know, we, we push all the tables out of the way and we put chairs in a circle so that we can just talk to each other. And I put a, uh, I brought in an extra chair. I knew how many people were in the room. I brought in one extra chair and just left it empty and left it next to me. And that, that was my way of giving space to the voices in the room that could no longer speak for themselves. What, what a powerful visual as well. It's, it's, uh, I'm reminded of um, uh, Reagan's funeral where the riding boots in the horse were facing, I guess, backwards. Or uh, when a soldier passes, his or her rifle and helmet is right there by their boots. I think that empty chair resembles the same. Uh, And is it interesting that the organization didn't want you to address what the people that make up the organization were struggling with and, and, and feeling. But obviously, uh, storytelling, powerful as a method, approach, way to engage. How do you believe technology is going to impact storytelling? I mean, it's, it's, it's all around us, right? It, it, is, it is so prevalent. You know, we, we didn't have technology, arguably, when when we drew on caves, right? So what do, what do you think AI and machine learning and all the the technologies that are coming will do to storytelling? Um, 
I I have mixed views on that. I, I have some complicated views on that that I'm I'm still sorting out. Uh, you know, I I think certainly it's creating a new need for for human connection. You know, we're we're living in this this age of of isolation where where everybody's describing you know feelings of loneliness. I feel that way too. Right? I I feel isolated. I've I've never been more connected. Through social media and online, I've you know I've got a network of lots of people, but my wife and I, you know, we're, we're both entrepreneurs. You know, neither of us is part of an organization. We've both built our own thing, and uh, we're both you know here we are in our fifties, looking around, going, "Wow, we 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 don't have a team. We we feel a little bit isolated. We love our home and our lifestyle out here in the beautiful countryside of Tennessee, outside of Nashville, and yet we've never felt so lonely." How is that possible? How is that happening? And I talk to a lot of people who describe that as well. So the the technology, on the one hand, doesn't seem to be uh, feeding the deep human need for connection with one another. At the same time, right now I'm part of a consortium called Story the Future. We're using story as a verb there. How do we create a better future through the stories we tell? You can go to storythefuture.com uh, but, and, and check out some of the resources there. But we're looking at p- and talking to people who are doing deep system transformation through the stories that they're telling and bringing communities together to tell stories to address HIV, AIDS in Africa or poverty in London. Uh, but the, the thing that's – the reason I bring this up is it's entirely an online format, and uh, I've got a bias about online communication, or I've held a bias for a long time, which is I, I, I think it's lacking. You know, I, I think, uh, Nor, when you and I are together enjoying a scotch face-to-face, there's something special about being in the room. You know, we're, we're feeling each other's energy, and we're engaging in a very deep way. And there's something important that we miss online. And at the same time, Story of the Future has really challenged me to think differently about what's possible in an online format. We've had some really rich, vulnerable, uh, system-transforming kinds of dialogues in this online context. So I, I find my views changing about what's possible using technology to create connection among people. Fascinated by that, that approach of uh, – I recently saw a hologram presentation – and and Hutch, you've heard me say this. I've I've deeply believed that people fundamentally gather for two reasons: content and community. Content is what can I learn, what can I get exposed to, how can I grow. Community is is connecting. Community is shaking hands and sharing a cocktail and over dinner and the things that are difficult to do. And the hologram delivered the content, but it was cold and it was distant and it was there was no connection with that with that individual that was that was delivering the content. So I'm fascinated by, uh, like you, technology as a platform to really help us practice, I believe, this intrinsic nature as visual individuals. But, you know, Instagram, and you think about a lot of the tools that are around us, but I also posted that, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and to reiterate your comment, I genuinely believe we're more than ever before more than ever before, we're, we're connected, as you said. Uh, sorry, we're connecting, but we're not connected. 
and 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 uh, and I think that's going to continue to leave a void. I did a video call yesterday with uh, a colleague of mine. It was the first time that we had we had seen each other. You know, we'd been sending emails. So now we're looking at each other on the screen. And my colleague said, "Oh, it's so good to finally make eye contact." And I thought to myself, "That's interesting. Are we making eye contact?" I mean, I I see her eyes in the little window on my screen, and she sees my eyes. Uh, but to to look at her, you know, the, the little video camera is actually up at the top of my screen. And when I look at her, it looks in my eyes like I'm looking downwards. And to look at the camera to create the illusion of eye contact, now I actually don't see her. I'm looking at the camera. So, so anyway, I'm I'm weird because these are the, th- the thoughts that go through my head. Really? Is that eye contact or is that not? I, I think there's an interesting paradox in question in there. I, I agree, which is the same same misperception that just because you are you know you're connecting with a whole lot of people on linkedin and twitter and facebook and instagram and all that you you actually know anything about them and and there's any kind of depth or meaning or I, i i often tell the story of um i'm walking the hallways with an executive of one of my client companies he sees this young woman coming towards us and She's wearing one of their company badges, and he literally asked somebody else, does she work here? Well, it turns out they've been exchanging emails for months, and she'd been on conference calls, and they, you know, but had never met her in the same company. And again, I, a, lot, a lot of these large companies, are it's not unusual because they're just massive. Well, I'm talking about the same campus, same building, same kind of group. And the fact that we're exchanging emails and getting on calls with people, and we have no idea what they look like or know anything about them. So we're connecting, we're getting things done, we're quote-unquote collaborating, but we don't know anything about them. But this is why I have the work that I do. Is you know, I, I think it's funny that this is my job. People fly me over the ocean to say, hey, you should tell stories to each other. Uh, but the, the simple shift is, what if when we came together, what if we didn't bring slides or PowerPoint with us? And and what if we didn't have our computers and our phones sitting on the table in front of us? And let's have a senior team leadership meeting right now where we push away from the table and we put our chairs in a, a circle so that our knees are almost touching and we look at each other and then we just start talking and telling stories. What's happening out there? What are you experiencing? What are you learning? But I have 178 slides that I want to take you through in the next 10 minutes. How can I do that without? <laughs> it's it's a culture change. It's people feel it in their hearts and they say, we want this. And then as soon as you take away the PowerPoints, people get terrified. Oh my God, I don't know what to say now. It was all in the slides, right? Now I have to just talk as a human being, as a leader. Uh, it, it terrifies people. Uh, one of the programs I'm building for 2020 is, I kid you not, Digital Detox. And it's a weekend program, and we're going to collect everybody's devices on Friday and and go to a remote location where there's no access. And we're going to spend right the two days, two and a half days talking and whiteboarding, and there's no presentations, and there's no tables or desks, and it's more conversations versus presentations. And we'll focus on the brand and focus on what's our what's our story as individuals, as teams, as organizations, right? So so I, I, I'm convinced that I need to take some medications with me because everybody's going to have to twitch 
or the, or the jitters of where's my device and why can't I get online and what's going to happen if if I'm not constantly connected. But but you know what? The, I find that when you invite stories, once you get people talking in story language, now they're bringing in emotional content. Uh, now they're bringing in more of their humanity. You get this really powerful connection that happens between people when you tell stories that doesn't happen when you, you use data. And what I find is after just a, sh- a short time of telling stories, it feels so good. It feels so powerful. People actually stop missing the technology. And I mean, this, you know, we'll all binge watch Game of Thrones for six hours on a Saturday, right? It's because story feels good. It's it's pleasure. It moves you out of your brain down into your center of empathy and emotion and compassion, and it connects us to one another. And if you tell stories, you can sit there for eight hours and not get tired of it. So I'm, I'm excited you guys are going to tell some stories. I, th- I think Digital Detox is going to be a success. Love it. If you just joined us, you're listening to uh, David Hutchins, who's a friend, a colleague, and a masterful, not only a storyteller, uh, but he helps leaders tell more effective, more impactful, more influential stories in their daily lives and daily works. He's also the author of Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers. So as you and I talked about curve benders is this idea of the future of our work and specific relationships that that interject themselves or we come across or by you know circumstance we you know we tend to meet them and in these inflection points they change how you and I talked about both their direct you know your direction but ultimate destination. Can you talk about curve bender relationships in your life that have had a huge impact in your direction and destination? Give us give us one or two examples. So I remember back in the 1990s when I was living in Atlanta. This is when I was working in the ad agency as a copywriter. Um, I, I kind of had this this personal crisis where I realized I can't write about hamburgers anymore. You know, I can't write about credit cards and floor wax. I, I got to get out of this place. I, I want to write about leadership and I want to write about innovation and I, I want to write about different things. And so I quit my job as a, a advertising guy and I didn't, I had no idea how to go about that work. You know, as a young guy in my twenties, I, I don't, I didn't know about the world of HR and organizational development. Um, and a friend of mine said, you know what, you, you should go, you know, in Atlanta was the International Expo for American Society of Training and Development that year. And they, my, my friend said, you should go there. These are the people who are talking about the stuff you want, you want to talk about. And so I went to, the, to this big convention in Atlanta. And you know how there's the big expo floor with all the booths of different training companies? Um, I didn't know how to sell myself in this industry. And all I had was the advertisements that I'd written. So I brought my advertising portfolio with me to this training convention. And I went from booth to booth showing these training companies, my advertisements that I'd written. And I said, could you use this kind of thinking in the work that you do? And one of the few people who didn't blow me off was one of the great curve benders in my life, an IBM guy named Dick Richardson, who today is is still a, a dear friend and, and colleague. And Dick saw something interesting in those advertisements. And he said, huh, I think we could use this at IBM. And he brought me into IBM. And that began, the, that was the beginning of my journey as an organizational learning guy. 
and it's funny, I still think of myself as an advertising guy. I just help ideas move through organizations and social systems. Instead of hamburgers, I move ideas, right? Uh, but Dick Richardson today, even today, is a mentor and a colleague. He and I develop uh, immersive experiential learning. You know, we'll bring teams out to the Olympic Training Center for immersive learning with Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Um, and so he, he continues to be a huge force in my life. I'll give you one more curve bender, Nor, and, and that is you. You, you in a short time, you, you became a curve bender because I mentioned already, you know, I'm, I, I am a lone wolf. You know, I've, I've done, I've done my whole career by myself. I, I love my office here in the bonus room over the garage. This has been a great way for me to work. But I haven't been good about building a network or a team. And so just to hear you talk about the value in network and the asset that your network can be, and then to see how you live that, not just as a business practice, but as a human being and the way you bring so much heart and love and energy to creating value networks has really challenged me. So you you're, you hold some keys to this next phase of my life and career. So I've been watching you really closely. That is uh, very kind of you. For our audience, this segment has been a sponsored section. I pay I pay Hutch $5 for every time he says something nice about me. Hutch, that's very kind. And and I can only hope to, joking aside, hope to, to lift up to those, uh, just the, the awesome uh, opportunity that is to, to, to create an impact in your life and, and hopefully life of others. Um, so one of the things, thank you for, for both of those. Uh, one of the questions that I'm often asked when I say curve benders are relationships that can dramatically change the direction of your personal and professional growth, both this direction and destination is, you know, of course, where do we meet these people? How do I find these people? But the more fascinating question to me is, how do you become one? How do you uh, how do you believe you can impact others? You're you're a masterful storyteller. You're collector of fabulous stories yourself. How have you seen storytelling and storytellers really change other people's lives? So here's a thought I've been having about how, how do we become curve benders for for others um, there. There's a really popular construct right now. It's it's popular in in, in spiritual, religious kind of communities called the uh, Enneagram. Uh, you know, not, it's in some ways similar to Myers Briggs or DISC, but it, but it's a way of making sense of identity and who you are and how how do I show up in the world? And uh, you know, I always have kind of mixed, torn feelings about these things, but I, I have found the language around it to be really interesting. Uh, I identify on through this lens as an, a number five, which is—I know—just even saying that sounds so reductionistic. I hate it. <laughs> but the the fives are the investigators. We're we're people who who navigate the world by accumulating knowledge and information. And it's, it's, it's kind of how we make, how we feel valuable in the world. We feel valuable by what we know and what we can share with others. And when I think about how I show up for others, it is through that lens. You know, the, the thing that makes me happy is if I can find some new ideas that have value in them and then put them into, I don't know, a story 
or put them into a deck of cards or put them into some little uh, value knowledge artifact that you can hold in your hand and you can look at and go, huh, this is interesting. Oh, I have a new way now of thinking about complexity in organizations. I have a new way of thinking about systems and leadership. Uh, so the thing that makes me excited is if I can bring ideas to you that, that empower you. Uh, and in fact, uh, in when I was in Russia, there was a young guy, Artem, in, in Russia who saw that I was coming on social media and he asked if we could have, have lunch together. And he's a delightful, talented young guy who's, who's carrying the torch for storytelling in Moscow. I was so excited to meet him. He's so smart and so enthusiastic. And at lunch, he held up a copy of my book, Circle of the Nine Muses. It's, ha- it's actually the Russian translation. It's been translated into Russian. And every page had like 10 sticky notes all over it. There are hundreds of sticky notes on this. And I was so moved by that. I, I almost was moved to tears. Um, here's a guy who has put sticky notes all over this book, and now he's carrying this message all across Russia, a place that desperately needs to to be telling stories to each other. Um, that makes me really happy, is to put ideas out there that people can act upon. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, and, and, and it's very consistent with others I've, I've interviewed and I've spoken to, which is, you know, finding an opportunity almost like a, a seeker where you become the solver. Someone that you feel like you can help, someone that you can feel you can bolster, you can really elevate, raise the bar on kind of not just what they do, but who they are and really empower them to become the best version of themselves in many ways, I think is what, what curve benders seek. So, so uh, obviously you and I could talk for hours about uh, your work, the power of storytelling, the impact that that storytelling creates for our audience who want to learn more about you. What's the best way to find you? What's the best way to learn more about you and your work? Uh, come to my website, davidhutchins.com. And Hutchins is spelled with an E-N-S, not an I-N-S. The internet is very picky about these kinds of things. you got to spell it correctly. So davidhutchins.com. Come find me on LinkedIn. Search for David Hutchins Storytelling. I'll pop up right away. Um, send me a message. I love talking about stories, and I love talking about what stories mean and how are we connecting that to the work that you're doing, not just for influence, but also for meaning-making and also for making the system whole. How can we connect the different parts of the organization, the different parts of the community, the different parts of who you are inside yourself. What are the stories we should be be telling so that we take a dismembered system and remember it? Come to davidhutchins.com. You can send me an email, a tweet, Facebook. Let's talk. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that uh, not only we've become friends, but we've become colleagues and, and you've also joined our cohort community and we're working closer together. David and I uh, have proposals to teach several executive education programs. We're launching a series of workshops in 2020 on storytelling for influence, on storytelling to engage and shape ideas. And uh, I can't wait for this front row seat to see our relationship, our work together evolve. So on behalf of 
our audience. Uh, Hutch, thank you for being a fabulous guest. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for your friendship. Thanks for being here. Ditto to all of that. Thank you, my friend. If you've listened to the Curvebenders podcast recently, you've heard that I'm working on the Curvebenders book. This will be my book number 11 with tools, insights, case studies, examples, interviews, in essence, the knowledge you need to create a personal and professional growth roadmap in this idea of future of work. I'm excited to share key sections with the first 100 participants, so go reserve your spot at norgroup.com today. If you go all the way to the bottom of the page in the get in touch section, just capture somewhere Curve Bender Insights. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Curve Benders podcast on the future of storytelling with my friend and NOR cohort community member, David Hutchins. Hutch is the epitome of someone who really listens to your every word, synthesizes, finds opportunities to relate, engages and influences, and shares stories that simply draw you into the conversation if not the experience. I believe storytelling is a new leadership competency and critical to your respective success in the future of how we'll work, live, play, and give. Don't forget, I turned the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles with links and other reference tools, so I hope you'll check them out on our website, norgroup.com slash blog. I'm so thankful for our listeners on the Curvebenders podcast. I want to keep producing great content most beneficial to your personal and professional growth in this idea of future of work. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on the various social media channels. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. And I'm using the hashtag Curvebenders podcast. So make sure you follow that for all of our latest updates. 